We are starting a brand new series today that we are super excited about. It's called, What Did You Expect? And we all have expectations, right? Here's the thing. What happens when what we expect doesn't line up with what we experience? How do we respond? And so we want you to, all throughout this message, feel free to use the hashtag expectations on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. If you hear anything or that just resounds with you today, just to engage uh, with that. We had expectations about what today was going to look like when we got up. We had expectations, those of you who went to the air show yesterday, of what uh, that was going to look like. And how many of you went to support and went to the air show yesterday, fought the traffic, bless your hearts? Good gracious, I saw the pictures. That was just crazy. Well, before we get into that, let me just start out by asking a question, because uh, Thursday night when I preached this, uh, it was a very small number, so that meant everybody was applicable to everyone. How many of you have uh, a lot of patience? You, you have a good number of patience. Just raise your hand. Okay, I could probably count those pretty quickly. I, I see wives putting their husband's hands down <laughs> already. Well, um, here, here's a few indicators of first how you can tell if you're a patient person, okay? I'm going to just read a couple of criteria, and then maybe after you read these or hear these, then you'll decide, you know what, I'm not really as patient as I thought I was. Uh, like if you, if you drive the speed limit, okay, that's just an easy indicator if you raise your hand. If you, just, if you drive the speed limit, okay, you might be a patient person, right? If you enjoy going to the DMV, okay, that might be an indicator because de you're definitely going to have to exercise patience when you go to the DMV. Uh, like if you don't mind your food taking longer, like you just enjoy the conversation, they're really short-staffed, it's taking too long, you're sitting at the table and you're like, no, don't worry about it. They're, the waitress is coming apologizing and you're like, no, really, don't worry about it. We're fine. We'll just talk. We've got all the time in the world. Then you might be a patient person. The other thing is, if you don't get upset if someone shows up late, if somebody says, hey, I'm going to be there at 8.15, they show up at 8.45, it's like, man, it's no big deal, you know, I just, just wait. And uh, it was funny because um, the worship team actually texted me this morning on Facebook and, and said, you know, just want to let you know, Jared, that um, we're on time here. And I said, uh, yeah, so you're on time the one week I'm not singing. Uh, yeah, that works out real well. And then I started to tell them because they texted me at 7.22 and this practice was supposed to start at 7.15. And I was like, you know, why are y'all seven minutes behind, you know? <laughs> But they sounded awesome. Uh, I just want to thank Chris Stanley and Pastor Annie and them. Can we give it up for them for leading this morning? They did a great job. And so uh, the final thing to kind of tell if you're a, a patient person, um, I've got a little sound clip that I just want to play. And I want you to listen to it, it in its entirety because I don't know that you've just ever really tuned in to all that's going on here. But this, if you're okay with this sound, like if it doesn't bother you, you could go back to this this would let you know that you're a patient person. Let's play that clip real quick. How many of y'all remember that? And wasn't it so frustrating? Like you were praying that it would connect and it'd get right to the end and you're like, come on, baby, you can do it. You can do it. Come on, come on, come on. Ah, oh, and you got to start it all over. I mean, it sounds like exploding robots, nuclear bombs going off. 
I think people on the internet are like, let's just see how many crazy things that we can put into that sound. Um, you don't have to teach patience or impatience, might I say, to a toddler, do you? Anybody have any patient toddlers? I mean, your kids are just like, mom, take your time. You know, don't worry about it. I know you got a lot going on, just whenever you can get to it. No, and matter of fact, we bought a book, a devotional book for our daughter on patience. The whole entire book is on patience. And we've gone through it at least three or four times. And every devotional, it just talks about being patient. And it's a VeggieTales book. I would highly encourage it, uh, you parents to do that. But uh, we don't have to teach impatience to our children. And um, so the other day we were at a, a client meeting and um, we have these, uh, I don't know if you know what this is. We can, might even get a close-up shot. This is a Lindor chocolate. Have you ever heard of that? Not, it's not just chocolate, it's white chocolate, okay? And um, so the gold obviously stands out. And our daughter happened to see these on the table and she is like, what's that? And I'm like, it's chocolate. And she says, can I have it? And I said, no. And she's like, does it have dairy in it? Does it have gluten in it? You know, and so she always asks these questions. And we're like, yeah, baby, I don't think we can have it, at least not right now. And, and she says, okay. And, and so I said, she sets it down and she goes, can I have it now? <laughs> and I said, no, baby, you can't have it now. <laughs> Let's just don't talk about it. We're not, we're not going to have it right now. Okay. She just kind of was looking at it and looking at the chocolate, looking at me. She's like, how about now? And I was like, no, look, we're not going to talk about the chocolate. Look, we're going to put the chocolate up. So I picked the chocolate up and I go and I set it on another table. Um, and she just walked over to the table and she just stood beside it because she wanted to make sure that the chocolate wasn't going anywhere. And she, she's just, you know, looking at us and looking back. And she just like got down real close to it and was just staring at it. She was touching it, <laughs> making the crinkly sound, smelling it. Can I have it now? <laughs> no, you can't have it. So I have to like hide it because it's a natural instinct, right? I mean, toddlers and us, we're just born not really with the greatest patience. And so you don't have to teach it to people most of the time. But the truth is our culture and our society is really fueling this like never before. I mean, everything that's going on around us is telling us that whatever we want, we should be able to have it immediately because we should just be able to fulfill our desires. It's called instant gratification. And I think it started probably with the microwave, right? People just wanted a quicker solution to cooking. And it's like, you know what? There's got to be a better way than slaving behind a stove. And so people just invented the microwave and now you can just pop something in, heat it up for 30 seconds and it's, and it's easy, right? And, and we've just adapted to that. And then people said, you know what? I, I really don't have the time to go and sit in a restaurant. There's got to be a better way. So I tell you what, let's just, we make drive-throughs. They pull up to the window, you know, we talk to them. They don't even have to get out of the car. We'll make it as fast as possible. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I do growing up, that a lot of times many of the restaurants would put the timers on the side so that you could actually see how long it was taken as an incentive for them to go, hey, you know, we're keeping the clock in front of them because they know. And I will never forget, we went to Hardee's one time and it was like 15 minutes. And then that thing like stopped and it was started over again. And it's like, good gracious. Because it was, you know, just feeling that you will speed up the process. Let's let it, don't take as long as possible. Same thing is true with diets. If we had a choice of taking a, a diet for three months versus a diet that's going to give the same results within a month, what are we going to choose? The one that's quicker, right? I remember, y'all remember the uh, seven-minute abs, right? Seven minutes, that's all we need, okay? You can just continue eating like you want, but seven minutes, we'll do the workout in seven minutes. And then that wasn't fast enough, so they bought, came up with the abs shocker, right? 
We're going to put a, a couple of 9-volt batteries on a pack. We're just going to attach it, you know, with glue on your stomach. And all day long, we're just going to shock you, okay? And you don't even have to flex because, you know, you don't have to work out because your, your muscles are just spasming all day. And I'm, I'm going to be first to say I actually tried that one time. So, obviously, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, but, but then here's what's taken place recently. And, and this is a lot of the companies have come to adapt that, you know, people need something. They want something immediately. And so, here's the way they're doing this almost kind of like, um, shy or, or what's the word, inconspicuous, uh, iPhone and, and Facebook messaging. Have you guys noticed what's happened? You know, now instead of sending a text message, because you were just okay with texting somebody and then go, oh, they hadn't texted back yet. It's not a big deal. Oh, they'll text me back. But now what's happened, they say it's delivered. Okay? So you know that it went through. So the person goes, I didn't get your message. Well, it says delivered. And so you look at it, okay, it's delivered. And so people don't, I know y'all heard in here, you look at it and then, then what else happens? Read. Okay? You, they read it? Okay, so why haven't you responded? It's been like at least 30 seconds. I should be seeing the little gray thing pop up that shows that you're typing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're typing. Okay, and, you, and what do you do? Hold on, they're typing. You put people on hold in the car because like somebody's typing to you. And so then, let's take it a step further. Now what happens? The little gray thing goes away. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The, some of y'all, all right, hang with me if you're, if you're not familiar. The gray thing pops up and tells you that somebody's texting you back. And so then it goes away and you're like, did they mess up? <laughs> right? They deleted the whole sentence and you're like, okay, come on. And you just sit there anxiously waiting and the impatientness grows inside of us because our society is fueling this. Self-checkouts, right? If, I, if there is a self-checkout at any place, I'm using it because I'm telling you I can check my I've never worked there in my day in my life and I can check out faster than anybody that works there it's like do, 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 do. pay credit card swipe I'm out of there the person's like all right how you doing today beep yeah everything's good weather's good it's raining outside beep you know and it's like I got to get out of here and so our society is just feeling this iPhone 3 back in the day the first iPhone used to be fast enough didn't it Oh, it was so fast. Oh, check out the iPhone 3. And then what happens? The 4 comes out. So I got to get the 4. It's faster. I can do stuff quicker. So you get the 4. Then Siri, 4S. Oh, Siri can do it. I can just tell Siri, you know, what's the capital of Sri Lanka? And she can just tell me like that. I mean, and then it's like, that's not fast enough. So we got to get the 5. And then the 6. And then the one that's like this big that you have to, you know, carry around on your shoulder. And, and so, you know, it's just that way because our society is fueling it like never before. The 24-hour stores, it's like we can have a store open all the time. So if people need duct tape and pop rocks at 3 o'clock in the morning, they can just come and get it. They don't even have to wait till the next morning. And so that's what's happening. And so people, and I know none of y'all in here, it's mostly the second service crowd, they run red lights, right? You run a red light, they say on average you say 50 seconds, 50 seconds. You will run a red light on Saturday just to get to the golf course to wait four hours behind the group in front of you, right? Amen? And that's just the way it is. Our cars, we, we time them zero to 60, how fast they can go, how fast I can get to five over the speed limit. And, oh, man, my car can go zero to 60 in 6.7 seconds. Well, that's great. You know, I just want to tell you, I'm trying to fight culture, okay? My wife and I bought a 1969 Volkswagen bus. 36 horsepower, zero to 60, in one weekend. <laughs> Downhill, wind to your back if you're lucky. <laughs> we were cruising 55 on the way here, buddy, and them gerbils had, that, the wheel had stopped and they were just get caught, they were caught in it. So anyway, 
And so here's what happens. When we don't get things as quick as we want them, as fast as we think they should be, when it doesn't meet our expectations, we'll go on social media and we'll just start ranting and raving and talk about how, you know, my food didn't come fast enough and, you know, shaking my head, hashtag, hashtag, you know, first world problems, hashtag. And they're just, we'll go through and we'll vent because we have expectations. And a lot of times we don't experience the same things that we expect. And so I found this slide I thought it's a perfect example of instant gratification. If you see it, it's the instant gratification zero mile run. It says, runners, take your mark, get set, go. Okay, go get your t-shirts, right? Immediately it's over. And that's a perfect example. And so here's what I want you to do. Turn to your neighbor, to your left, to your right, and tell them, I like the instant. Let's just all confession here this morning. Turn to your left, to your right. Say, I like the instant. We like instant gratification. And so the U.S. patent offices are filled with inventions every single day of things that can make your and my life quicker and simpler. Jails and prisons are filled with people who said, you know what, I want something and I'm not going to wait for it. So they go and rob a bank and they go steal from something from a store. They didn't want to put the time into it. And so the patience, impatience grows. Food industry have said, Snickers, you're hungry. Why wait? Right? You can have it right now. Burger King, Subliminally, they say what? Your way, right away. And so they're telling us this. Smartphone apps have, are now able to make you uh, book tables in advance. You're able to get taxis or cabs just by the touch of a button. And so you don't have to wait any longer. Netflix says you can stream what you want as long as you've got an internet connection right now sitting at your computer anywhere across the world. And so researchers are finding this out. But I want to just tell you a few alarming statistics real quick. And uh, one company analyzed 6.7 million users on the internet. And here's how long they said that they would wait, or this is what they observed, that people would wait on average two seconds before they started abandoning the web page. Now dial up, man, two seconds, buddy. Well, that would have been quick, right? Two seconds, man, look how fast my internet is. And now people are like, it's not fast enough. You're calling, you know, cable companies and going, what's going on? I think my internet's messed up. And so then what happens is after five seconds, people would abandon it by 25%. And then after 10 seconds, nearly 50% of people have just completely abandoned the webpage. And so what's happened is this has really given us a glimpse into the future of what it could potentially look like. That people, right, may be too impatient even to do a study like this anymore. And Google found this out. Here's what they said. That on average, there are three billion searches a day on Google, Okay. 3 billion, and that was 34,000 questions answered per second. They found out that if they just slowed down the rate four-tenths of one second, that it reduced the searches by 8 million a day. Four-tenths of one second. And Amazon said this, they, they make on average 67 million a day in sales. They said that if they slowed it down by one second, they could lose on average $1.6 billion a year because of the impatience that our society now, I tell you all that to say this. You're going, well, why are you even telling me that? Here's why I say this to you this morning. And this is why you need to listen to this message today. Because everything around you, everything around you is telling you that whatever you want, you can have it. And you don't have to wait. You need it now, you can get it now. So why wait? And if we have this mentality, ultimately, I believe and I believe this is true for all of us, it's going to rob us of the blessings that God has for us. It's going to rob us of the faith that we need. And when God is trying to do something inside of us, we're going to miss out on it in the process because we have grown to be too impatient. 
and our expectations are too great. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 15. It's the first uh, gospel there in the New Testament. And I believe we're going to see a story of a woman who was persistent, who had faith, uh, who had expectation. I believe it's going to challenge every single one of us in our approach to how we come to God. And we're going to see how this woman was resistant to the instant. Everybody say that with me. Resistant to the instant. That's what I hope that we get out of this message this morning. Matthew 15, verse 21 is where we're going to start. We're going to read through verse 28. And it says, Jesus went away from there. And if you're a note taker, I would underline the word withdrew. And withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And if you don't didn't know how to pronounce that, just think about it this way. If you're going to the store, hey, honey, you going to the store? Pick me up some Tyre and some Sidon. Got it? Tyre and Sidon, it was a place he withdrew. So why did he withdraw? We ask the question, why would Jesus withdraw from there? And so here's what we find out. So the, this is the two main Phoenician cities that are located near the Mount Carmel coast. And we saw all throughout Jesus' ministry that he withdrew for different reasons. But in this case, what was happening is the crowds began to, to grow. The number of people began to flock to Jesus. And he realized that he needed to get away. Not only, I believe, just for a break and rest, but also, this is so important, Jesus was trying to control the timing of his ministry, okay? People wanted to make him king, and he didn't want that to happen too quickly. And so he began to withdraw during this time, and here's what happened in verse 22. It says, and a Canaanite woman from that region came and began to, and this word is so important, cry out, saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Why is she crying out? Because my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Now, I know we read those stories a lot of times and we hear like demon possession. Like, that's just weird and I've never seen that. But let me just say to you, our Bridge Kids workers have confirmed that some of your kids, they are pretty convinced, have, are demon-possessed. But you know what's funny? This is so out of custom for women of this day. If you know anything about Western culture, right, then what we see is, you know, women didn't have the most rights. They were not really the highest people on the priority. And it was really out of custom for a woman to come and approach a man, much less a man and his disciples. And so she approached him and she's crying out. Now just picture at your moment, whenever you cry out what that's like. And, and her attention is solely focused on Jesus. And you go, so why is she crying out? Because the woman, her daughter is demon possessed. And, she, and, and here is a response that we don't see really. The only other time that I can, off the top of my head, I'd have to go back and do some study, but I see this response is when they're, you know, talking to Jesus before his crucifixion and he doesn't say a word. But here, she approaches, she's desperate, she's crying out, and he says in verse 23, but he, he did not say an answer. He did not answer her a word. I mean, this woman got straight up ignored by Jesus. Now, this is not the typical thing that we see, is it? She uses the same plea essentially that Peter does when he's sinking after he gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water towards Jesus. And he says, Lord, help me. He's crying out and this woman's doing the same thing. So why is it that Jesus reaches his hand out to Peter and he ignores her? Now, let's just be honest. Have you ever been ignored? I mean, not just like ignored to the point of, I don't think they heard me, so I'll say it louder, to the point of, I'm confident that those people heard what I said and they not answer you, okay? And you're like, man, that's a bad thing. But, but we do it to our kids all the time, right? They're like, I want that at the store. I want that. You just pretend like you don't even hear them. You just keep walking. 
And that's an awkward feeling, knowing that the person heard you. It's like, why are they ignoring me? I don't understand. They should answer me. And so this is not a typical response that we see. Could you imagine ignoring someone who's just been in a wreck? Someone who's having a major, you know, medical problem. And you see them standing there, laying there in pain, and they're just crying out, help me, help me, help me. And instead of you going down and going, okay, what can I do? How can I help you? Or, or no, I don't understand that. I can't give you any aid. That's out of my expertise. You're giving an excuse. You just pass by or you just keep walking. You just ignore them. That's what happens to this woman here. And so here's what happens in the next verse. And his disciples came and implored him saying, send her away because she keeps, now she's not crying out. She's what? She's shouting. She's shouting at us. Now, somebody doesn't really get on your nerves the first time, right? I mean, it normally takes a, a series of times before finally it just gets on your nerves. You're like, look, you got to do something. Come on, man. You've got, you ever been around that parent that their kid just like, just keeps on talking and keeps yelling and they're not, they don't answer them. They're answer, asking them a question and you're like, do you want me to answer them or are you going to answer? Like you say something or I'm going to say something. Come on, I mean, we can help us all out right now if, if you'll do that. And so that's what's happening here. Now it's got to the point, she's no longer crying out, but she is actually shouting at Jesus. And the disciples are like, look, come on, do something. Now, what we see here, I believe, if we really dive into it, is the fact that I believe in this town that, that they're located at or, or where they're traveling, they're going to be found out who is there, that Jesus is there. I mean, he withdrew to get away from that. Now they're going to find out that he's there. And then all of a sudden the people are going to come to find him and let the healing and all the miracles and stuff begin. And so what the disciples were saying really was one of two things. The first is either they wanted him to say yes and heal her daughter just either say yes and let it be done and go do it. Or two, say no and let her know you're not going to heal her just so she'll go away and quit leaving us alone. Just give us an answer. And so here's what Jesus says. But he answered and said, I, Jesus, was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now if you read that at just surface level and you don't understand all the context of what's really saying here, you can go, what? What does that even mean? I was sent only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I mean, that's like, as a parent, you, you know, say to your kids, you say something to them and they look at you, you're like, don't look at me with those eyes. And you're like, as opposed to what eyes am I supposed to be looking at you with? <laughs> right, it's, it's just like, doesn't really make sense at surface level. But when you dig deeper into it, here's what Jesus was ultimately saying. In other words, first, in his ministry, I have only come for the Jewish, the Jewish people first. And then later, my ministry will be towards the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people. So first priority is Jewish. This woman here is not a Jew. She's a Gentile. So I've come for the Jewish people first. And then my ministry will be directed to the Gentiles. So think about how we ask for stuff, right? We ask God for things all the time. In our prayer time, you know, we say, man, I really wish God would do this. I wish he would bless me with this and so on. And so sometimes he says no. It's a clear no. The door shuts. There's no way. You just didn't get that job or promotion. And so we just give up. Other times he's silent. We don't hear anything. And so we're anticipating, you know, for him to give us a response or to open a door, to line things up. And so when he doesn't, we look, well, he just doesn't care. Maybe God just didn't want it for my life. It wasn't his will, so we just, act, just doesn't care. And so what do we do when, we're, when we relate it back to our culture of the instant? It's like, but, but everything else I want, I can have it. If I forget about Mother's Day or my wife's birthday... Or if I forget about Father's Day, I can go on Amazon Prime 
and I can order it and have it here tomorrow. And I can get it when I want it. And so what happens when I pray to God and he just doesn't answer me, or he's silent, or he says, me, he says no. And, and here's what it ultimately boils down to. It's a control thing for us. We like having control, and when we don't have control, it really scares us. When things are out of our hands, it's kind of scary because if we can build it, if we can buy it, if we can fabricate it, it's good. But when we can't do that, it's ultimately up to God. And so people go, man, it's not fair. And they get mad at God. He didn't answer this. He didn't come through this. He didn't bless me with this. And so they, they respond to him that way. Or some people compromise their beliefs. Well, if he's not going to give it to me, then I'm just going to go do it on my own. You know, I want, I want a wife that's godly and so-and-so and so-and-so. I've got a list of criteria. But you know what? I had, he had blessed me with that, so I'm just going to compromise my standards and my, and my morals, and I'm going to go find somebody else that's, you know, a little bit below what I, I believe God wants me to have. And so people do that all the time with dating, right? Maybe it's a business decision, right? They compromise their ethics or their morals just for the sake of gains or for making money. Why? Because we live in an instant gratification society. And so we either move before God says go, or we move even if he says no. But notice that Jesus didn't come right out and tell her no, right? He didn't say no. Basically what he did is he put a stumbling block in her, in her place to see how much she really wanted what she was asking for. And so she went from crying to shouting. But look at the next verse, verse 25. It says, but she came and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. Underline that word, bow down. She began, she went from crying out to shouting. And now the desperation really sets in and she is kneeling down before his feet going, you know what? You are here in my region You've come all the way to where I live and I'm not going to let you slip away without you seeing the devotion that I have to you. And so her posture changes. Her physical posture changes. And so here's our problem with asking so many times is we speak in our asking to God from a position of crying out. When that doesn't happen, we speak from a position of shouting out when ultimately what we need to do is speak from a position of of bowing down and showing him our true devotion to him. I mean, we want Jesus, we want God to respond to us like that live chat button on the customer service website, right? I mean, we click on that thing and it's like pop up, hi, I'm Tony and I'm from so-and-so and so-and-so and I'm here to help you. And they will just, you know, respond immediately. And that's how we want God to be. And that's what our society is telling us. And so we have to fight it with everything that we have. Not only do our, does our physical posture have to change, but our heart posture has to change. And so verse 26, he says, and this is another saying, when you read it, you're like, what? What does that even mean? He says, and he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> right? You just read across that, you're like, children's bread, throw it to the dogs. Like, what does that even mean? And again, it's, it's going right along with the whole Jewish Gentile thing. He's saying, the, the bread that I have, what I have right now that I'm giving, that I'm offering, is to the children, my children, the house of Israel, the Jewish people, and I don't want to give that to the dogs. Now, we can look at the term dog and think of it as a degrading part. We can look at it and go, man, he was really talking down to it. But when you look and do research, it's actually like a friendly pet. And I know all, many of you love your pets. How many of you have dogs? Raise your hands. Where are my dog people at? Okay. And so how many of you feed your dogs from the table, right? Okay. You do not want to feed the dog that Amanda and I got when we were married that still hadn't make it, made it to our house that my parents have still 10 years from 10 years ago. 
It's a whole other story. But you don't want to feed him table food. Just trust us. And so, you know, many of you will, will feed your dogs, you know, from the table or you'll give them the scraps and what's left over. And, and what Jesus is saying is what I'm offering right now is for the Jewish people. And so what I have later will be, you know, for the Gentiles. And so a little crumb is what, what she says. Verse 27, let's read this. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now this, this verse right here is, is so much deeper than just what we read it. What she's saying is, you know, Jesus, I understand right now that the bread that you have is for, for your people, but I don't, I don't need a lot. And this shows her true belief in him. I don't, I don't need a whole bunch. What I need is just, just a little, little teeny crumb, God. That little teeny crumb will go so far and do far more than, than you ever even think. I know that if I just get a little teeny crumb, of your ministry, of your healing power, of your touch, it's going to meet my need. If you'll just give me the crumb, God, I can live on the crumbs. And so I feel like that a lot of times, you know, we don't look at, at, at God that way. I mean, our need is, is so big and we think it's great, but ultimately, if God were just to give us a little crumb, it would be enough. And there'd still be plenty over is what she's saying. You can give the bread away. You can give me the crumb. And I believe there's still going to be enough left over for your ministry. Now, my grandma is actually here today. And I'm glad they came. Um, <clears throat> she makes something called a blueberry crunch. Anybody know what a blueberry crunch is? So a blueberry crunch is made up. And I'm not going to get it all right. But here's, what, here's ultimately what it is. It is a bunch of goodness compiled into an awesome dish. Okay, it's pineapple. It's blueberry, it's sugar, what is it, brown sugar, all kinds of other sugars and stuff in there, and it's baked, and it is just amazing. Now, about three or four times a year, my wife, well, really, uh, she's on this, that's a whole other subject, diet, but we did this, we did what's called the paleo diet a couple of times over the last year or two, and uh, if you know anything about the paleo diet, it's basically uh, no milk, no dairy, uh, no sugar, and no carbs. So anything good, if it tastes good, then just don't eat it because it's, you can't have it. Well, so we're on, we've, we've done this a couple of times and like we go six week or eight week stint. And during that time, it just so happens that one or two times we were supposed to eat at her house while we were on the paleo diet. Now, the blueberry crunch is my absolute favorite thing that I could possibly eat over there. And she makes it so good. And so I'll never forget, we go over there and, and there, you can smell it before you even get out of the car. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm coming here on this diet and there's a blueberry crunch sitting there. And so we walk in and there it is, right when you walk in the door on the right hand side, because that's where all the dirt desserts normally sit. And so I glance over at it and I'm like, oh, you know, knowing I'm going to be struggling, man, like an addict, I'm going to be struggling today. And so I go through, you know, on this diet, and I pick the vegetables, you know, and I pick the meat, you know, on the fried chicken. I take the friedness off, and I just eat the chicken, and I'm sitting there, and I know it's coming. I know dessert time's coming, and I'm sitting at the table, and they get through, all right, who wants some dessert? Not Jared. And so everybody's going over there, and they're just getting their spoonfuls, and they're throwing it on, the, on their plate, and it's hot, and it's good. And, they're just, and my cousin's, you know, just sitting there eating it in front of me, just like, mm, this is so good. You know, just struggling. And then they're like, all right, who wants to put ice cream on their blueberry crunch? It's 
like, Lord, take me now. You know, just take me now so I don't have to just deal with this because I'm wrestling, I'm struggling, I'm weak. I'm <laughs> and so people go through and, and left and they're like, come on, just have, some, just have a bite. Just have, no, because I know what it's like. If I have a, a full bite, it's going to be like the Lay's potato chips. You can't just eat one, right? And I mean, I eat blueberry crunch by the pan, right? I don't eat it by the spoonful, it's just by the pan. And so, you know, I'm really wrestling and then, I go, I go over there, and no joke, I, I go over there and I look, and, and there's really just, it, the whole thing is like devoured. And all that's left is the edges, you know, like where the hardened edges. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I could just have just a little bit. I mean, just a crumb. That's all I need is just a little crumb. And so I'm telling you, I was weak, y'all. I was just over there like a bird pecking, man. I was just picking the crumbs off. And it's just so satisfying, especially when you've gone so long. Think about it. When you've gone six or eight weeks and you haven't had anything sweet and you're just like desperate. I mean, anything, just a piece of gum, you know, throw a piece of gum in that, just hold me over. And I'm standing over there and I just have a piece, a little crumb off that blueberry crunch. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. And, and that's what this woman is. She's just desperate. And she's like, if I can just get a little teeny crumb, God, I know that you will meet my need and it will be more than enough because I think a crumb from Christ is far more and far better than any cake that this world has to offer and so I want you to I don't want you to miss this next part because I think it's really important and puts it in perspective think about the miracles that have taken place up to this point so Jesus heals a man with leprosy and he the man knelt before him okay when, when Jesus went to Peter's house, he touched Peter's mom at their house. The two demon-possessed men who encountered him after they got off the boat came face-to-face -face with Jesus. The paralytic was healed after he got off the boat in his hometown. When Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, he went to where she was. When he healed the blind men, it was the blind men who were following him. When he healed the centurion servant, they actually were in pursuit. Jesus was on his way to heal the servant when they stopped and go, no, 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 don't even come. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. You can just do that work from right where you're at. And so this woman has obviously heard the power of Jesus. Word has traveled to this region where she is, and now she's face to face with the miracle maker. And she says, I'm not going to let him out of my sight cry out, I'll shout out, I'll bow down, I'll do whatever it takes so that he'll meet my need. And so what do you think she expected? What would you expect? Okay, there he is, and he says, great, where is your daughter? Come on, let me take you to her. Or, hold on one second, I'll be right back, let me go get my daughter and I'll bring her to you, because that's ultimately what's happened here at this point, is Jesus has done ministry face-to-face -face with the people that he's come in contact with. It's like, it's like Time Warner. I, I think about the cable example. You know, you call Time Warner Cable and you go, I've got a problem with my internet. And they say, okay, uh, and you're thinking they're going to have to send a technician to my house to fix it. Or I'm going to have to go and take my equipment there for them to check it and see if it's broke. But I'll never forget the lady goes, hold on just one second. And she types it up on the computer and she goes, let me check something. She goes, is the, is the orange light on? And I said, yes. She goes, is it off now? And I said, yes. She goes, let me run signal. Okay, all right. Now try it, see if it works. And I was like, yeah, it's working now. She's like, okay. And she fixed it remotely. She didn't have to send the technician out. I didn't have to go there. She just did it in a way I wasn't expecting. And so this is what happens in this next verse. 
Because God works in mysterious ways and he met her need. And just when we feel like we got Jesus figured out, he goes and throws muds on somebody's eye and goes, here, take that. I'll show you how I'm going to do it. And so look at verse 28. It says, then Jesus said to her, O woman, and underline that because this is a strong statement. Your faith is great. And it shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Now, what's so significant about this passage in this scripture is in O woman, when you see that phrase, it's only five times in the New Testament. In the gospel, it's only five times we see that. And all four times it's used, other than this, in a, in a bad sense, okay? The first time it's used, we see, is in Luke 14, verse 25, when it's rebuked to the disciples. And he says, O foolish men, slow of heart to, be, to believe. The other three times is the same account, but it's in different gospels. And it's used for, um, it's, Jesus condemns those for unbelief. But in this one case, in this one encounter with the woman, he says, O woman, it's used as a term of admiration. And he says, you of great faith, it shall be done as you wish. And so we see that her persistency, her not giving up has paid off. She moved the heart of Jesus and he showed how far a crumb could go. And he heals her unlike any other way that has really taken place up to this point. He heals her from afar because that is how powerful Jesus is. And he'll go, you want to see the faith? You want to see how powerful I am? Okay, I'll do something you've never seen or expected before. And that's what he did for her. And I find it just so interesting that the two accounts in the New Testament where Jesus uses the term, oh, person of great faith is two Gentiles. And that gives us hope, amen? And so put yourself in this place of this woman. You have a need, maybe it's a desire, maybe it's an emergency. You've been praying for a long time. You've been believing for something for a long time. And you, need, you say, God, I need you to do this in my life. I need you to do this in my marriage. I need you to do this in my, my family, my children. And he doesn't answer. Maybe he, you feel like he's just looked away. What do you do? Do you give up? You stop asking? You say it's not his will? He hasn't said no yet? just kind of forget. Here's, here's a few things that we can glean from the silent that Jesus gave to this woman. The first thing is just because Jesus is silent doesn't mean he isn't listening. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. You've been praying and you're praying and praying and praying and he's silent doesn't mean that he isn't listening. The second thing is just because God's silence doesn't mean that the answer is no. Whatever your prayer is, just because you've been praying it and he doesn't answer doesn't necessarily mean it's a no. So what if we don't get our way? Do we just, do we give up? Do we get mad? Maybe you've been praying. Maybe you've been fasting. But he hasn't been answered. Maybe it's just a stumbling block he's put in your way to see how faithful you are. To see if your tone will turn from crying out to shouting to bowing down before him. Will you be resistant to the instant in your life? Maybe it's in his delay and his hesitation Maybe it's in his excuse that what he's trying to do is get you to fully trust in him. You know, the whole thing about the children of, in, of Israel going through the, the wilderness. Yeah, you think they'd have signed up if they knew it was going to take 40 years? But man, I'll just stay here and be a slave. But it was ultimately about the process and changing the hearts of the people is what God was trying to do. Maybe he's just trying to change your heart. So maybe you've been praying for unsaved family members. Your daughter, your son, you've been crying out there running 
they're far from God and you've been praying and you've been praying, don't you give up, don't you give up. You get on your face, you call out as a mom, as a dad. You tell them, I just need a crumb, Jesus. Bring them back to you. Maybe you've been trusting them in your finances. You need a miracle. God is sovereign. And His will and His ways are always better than ours. Trust in Him, don't give up. Maybe you've been praying for that spouse, that man, that woman of God. You be persistent, you don't give up. Maybe it's a job or a promotion at your job. The door's open, you pray, you pray, you pray. And don't you give up. Even if you just feel like it's His will, you pray. There's nothing wrong in praying. If the door shuts, you never know. God can open up doors again. Maybe it's a relationship, a restoration, or maybe it's a healing. God is more than powerful, and just a crumb will go far more and do far more than anything we can do with our hands. And God's way is always worth the wait. So what would our lives look like if we modeled this every day? What would our society, our culture look like if we had more patience? And it wasn't so much about us and our needs and instant gratification. Our prayer lives would be richer. Our choices would be wiser. Our thoughts would be more pure. Let's move from a crying out and a shouting out standpoint. Let our physical posture and our heart posture change. Because here's the truth, guys. Our society, our culture, our government, our schools, most kids are saying, I want what I want and I want it right this minute. And if I don't get it, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to fuss, or I'm going to go outside and get it my own way. But here's the truth. Ultimately, instant gratification leads to sin. Not getting my needs met, so I'll go outside my marriage. Not getting my needs met, so I'll look at pornography. And so people will, will compromise because their needs aren't met. People will rob stores, steal merchandise. And they'll do all these things just for the instant. But second only to suffering, patience may be the greatest teacher in godliness and maturity. And here's what I think happens a lot of times in the process. If you're ever a kid and you were, your parents said, okay, you want to buy a toy, you want to buy that, then just you, you save up money. You know, cut grass, sweep, you know, take out the trash, I'll pay you this much. And you go, all right, it's going to cost me 10 bucks and I get 10 cents per job, so that's going to take me, you calculate it. And it takes you a couple months maybe a couple weeks, maybe a long time, and you finally get the money saved up to go buy it. And then what happens? You're like, man, if it's going to take that much, it's not even worth it. I don't even want it anymore. I'll just save it or buy something else. And that's what I think happens a lot of times in our lives. We pray, we pray, God, you know, delays, and then ultimately we get to there, He just changes something inside of us, and our desires change. And He can change our desires. Like He did the children of Israel. It's more about changing us in the process. So I just want to close with this. You know, we live in this society of instant. And so I got some instant mac and cheese and I got some instant, they don't even stand up, potatoes. If you've ever had homemade mashed potatoes, my grandma or maybe your wife, boy, it's good, isn't it? Butter, milk, put the cheese in there, you know, sprinkle some, some bacon on top, turkey bacon, whatever you eat, stir it up, heat it up, put ranch. I don't know how you eat it, but man, it's a process, isn't it? But a lot of times we just want that desire so bad, we're like, I'm starving, I gotta have it right now, I gotta have it right now. Mom might say, well, I could fix you some of those mashed potatoes, cheese all in them. You're like, man, that's gonna take like an hour. No, I'll just settle. I'll just go for the instant. I can throw this in the mic. I mean, 
the, here's the ingredient list on the back. It's like, what's in that? It's potatoes and milk and cheese. I mean, it's flakes. We'll, we'll compromise. We'll settle. Or same thing with the mac and cheese. We know how long it's going to take, right? Man, if I do that, I got to boil the noodles, heat up the hot water. Then, but boy, she puts four cheeses on top of that. And then after it comes out and it's cheesy, they put it in the pan. Then we put cheese on top of the cheese. And we put it in the oven and it comes out. And I could just cut it like a pie, but man, I need it right now. So I'll just throw them in the microwave and settle. What's better? What's better for us? What takes time? So I want to challenge you. Don't settle for the instant. Resist the instant and wait on God. Let's pray this morning.